Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Welcome to Episode 91 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. Happy summer and happy fifth anniversary of the beginning of this podcast. I've had this subconscious sense that I needed to do something special for the podcast for the last week or so, but it didn't occur to me until I sat down to write my notes for an episode on conditioned existence that I launched the podcast on June 23rd, 2018. Now that's exactly five years to the day I'm recording. And I also knew that the 1 million download mark was coming up. I was sort of hoping that the 1 million download would coincide with the fifth anniversary. And as of the day I'm recording today, as I'm recording this, the podcast is at 998,170 unique downloads about 1,800 downloads away, which is a day or two in average downloads. So this episode will indeed push the the podcast over the 1 million unique download mark. So yippee for everyday Buddhism. At first, when I thought about starting this episode with a celebration of the fifth year of the podcast, it didn't seem like a good lead-in for the, an episode on conditioned existence that I wanted to do. But, on further thought, it's perfect. I mean, how did it happen that my little podcasting venture would last so long and get so many downloads? It was because of you, the listeners. That was the condition that caused the ongoing existence and success of this podcast. Thanks to every one of you. You have each contributed in ways much bigger than you could imagine. So that was it for the celebration. Don't have snacks. Don't have champagne. You do that on your own. But now I'm going to continue on to a deeper dive into conditioned existence It's a deeper dive than I think I've ever taken in the 90 or as of now 91 episodes of this podcast. So here goes. This June, undeniable to me anyway, evidence of climate change drifted over the Northeast U.S. and Canada in the form of smoke from wildfires, blanketing tens of millions of people with air pollution that was actually off the charts in some areas. Now, living in Rochester, New York, we were severely affected during the peak week and have been at times lesser affected as the wildfires flared, then subsided after a rainy few days. During the worst week, the week of June 5th, we were in the unhealthy want that's the 150 to 200 or red alert category or the very unhealthy 
that's the 201 to 300 purple alert categories most of the week. And on occasion, we made it to the hazardous 300 plus maroon alert category. Now, it was shocking to me, shocking for me. And from what I observed from the talk of locals and the social media chatter of other Northeasterners, shocking to most everyone. The skies were thick with smoke and had an eerie red glow. The sun that you could see through the smoke shined through like a red filter that put red spotlights on everything you looked at. And I and many others were coughing and tearing. I know friends and family on the West Coast probably thought, oh, jeez, we've been suffering through this for years with only brief mentions in the media. But now that the East Coast is dealing with it, it's all you hear. And I believe they have a right to say that. I believe that's the case. I was aware and shocked when talking with West Coast friends that had to deal with constantly shut windows, air filters, and air monitors. But you know how it goes. Till it happens to you, it's not real. But it was real. And it seemed completely unreal. Fires burning in Quebec, hundreds of miles away, were a health threat to millions of us across the U.S. and Canada. Air quality indexes in the purple range are equivalent to smoking a half pack of cigarettes if you are outside all day. I know I was shocked to find myself coughing after less than an hour outside or inside with the windows open. Now, this is an example of the suffering of conditioned existence. As almost everyone knows, Buddhist or not, the Buddha taught in the first of the Four Noble Truths that life is comprised of suffering. And as those of you who have studied Buddhism or who even casually listen to this podcast know the word suffering is an inadequate translation of a concept that is much more like unsatisfactory, which is what most experts believe is the intent of this teaching. But wait, when it comes to suffering, there's more. (laughs) The Buddha also classified suffering into types. He taught that there are three types of suffering. Number one, the suffering of suffering. This is what I call plain old suffering. This is what most of us think of as suffering. Actual physical or emotional pain, illness, injury, loss, grief, or disappointment. Number two, the suffering of change. Now, the reality that your body, mind, and all the people and circumstances of your life constantly change is the suffering of change. Whether it's the death of or separation of a family member, friend, or pet, or the loss of a job, or even the last of the cookies. It's all the suffering of change. Number three, the suffering of conditioned existence. This, in addition to the suffering of change, is the one I'll be talking about in this episode. This suffering is referred to as pervasive suffering because It's suffering that everyone deals with everywhere. 
It is suffering that results from having a nature that is impermanent and changeable based on the conditions that arise in our bodies, minds, and all phenomena. Conditions that not are caused by us, are some discrete sense of our own impermanent reality, but conditions that are constantly changing outside of us and then affecting us. So in the situation of the poor air quality suffocating much of the country and parts of Canada this month, the conditions of wildfires caused it. That was the cause. And the conditions of climate change will contribute to more frequent and larger wildfires and more smoke and more poor air quality. According to experts in the field, they estimate 82 million Americans will experience a 57% increase in wildfire smoke frequency. In other words, how often it's going to happen. It's going to happen 55% more often. And we will experience a 31% increase in two or more consecutive days of high wildfire-specific PM 2.5 air quality. Now, the causes of climate change are many. And of course, these are... There are debates about these causes, but debate or not, the causes and conditions arise from humans and then it causes us suffering. But because everything is constantly changing, one day there is smoke. The next day, you can look at a crystal clear blue sky. As I have said before, that is the upside of conditioned existence. Things that affect us that we label as quote-unquote bad will not be permanent. There will be a change. Now, the change could make things seemingly worse, but it also could make things better. Because of the truth that is conditioned existence, there is nothing for sure. Absolute. Unchanging. The Buddha spoke of conditioned existence and dependent or origination, which is, which means things originate or come into be, being because of other things or other conditions. He spoke of it like this, quote, when this is present, that comes to be. From the arising of this, that arises. When this is absent, that does not come to be. And on the sensation of this, that ceases. Now, because we don't have omniscience, we can't possibly see all the conditions that cause the arising of any circumstance or phenomena. And that is why we suffer because of conditioned existence. It's why we suffer because of change and impermanence. We suffer because we expect and or desire otherwise. <laughs> if things are going well, we desire things to stay the same. If things aren't going well, we want things to change. But things are the way they are. And I can hear the groans now after making that statement. No, this does not mean we can't try to make things better. 
But we also need to remember that the nature of life is impermanence, is change, and conditions we aren't aware of that will affect us, whether we like it or not. Clinging to anything other is what causes suffering. To cling to life as something that will not change but stay forever the way we want it to be is ignorance. Now, by ignorance, I'm not referring to not educated or dumb, but the ignorance that is part of our human condition. This ignorance is not, is not knowing what causes our dissatisfaction, our unhappiness, our suffering. We tend to see everything in the context of either desire or aversion. I want, I don't want which gives everyday people, things, and circumstances an overblown, attractive, or repulsive context or meaning. And our habitual reactions tend to reify these distorted meanings into permanent things that we continuously chase after or push away. How does this ignorance form in us? If it's part of our being human, how does it happen? We don't try to be ignorant. We think we're seeing things clearly and responding to the circumstances in our lives in a logical way. But the Buddha saw that that isn't the case. And because we don't see things the way they really are, we respond in ways that actually create or intensify the dissatisfaction, unhappiness, and suffering in our lives. That's ignorance. Ignorance in real life is like that Dharma teaching story. Some of you may have heard this before, but it's a great story and it's a good one to repeat. It's about the man who dropped his keys as he was trying to enter his house at night in the dark. Someone passing by saw this fellow searching under a street light as he was walking by. He asked if he could help and asked what he was looking for. The guy that was searching responded that he dropped his keys. The passerby asked where he thought he might have dropped them. The guy answered, up there, by my front door, maybe in the bushes. So the fellow passing by asked, if they're up there, you think, why are you looking here under the streetlight? The guy who lost his keys answered, because the light is better here. Like that guy who lost his keys. We keep trying to rearrange or change our life circumstances to where we are more comfortable, where the light is better. If we just push this away over here or grasp onto this over there, then we'll be happy, right? But this way of dealing with life is what the Buddha taught as the recipe for suffering, not as the recipe for happiness. How can we be happy if we keep moving life circumstances to where we are more comfortable or feel better, only to keep awakening again and again to the fact that life isn't where we just pushed or packaged it? It's over here, right here, where you are standing, right here, where we are dissatisfied with the lighting. Wouldn't it be better to just stand here looking in the bushes of life, allowing our eyes to refocus in the dark until we see things as they really are? And then maybe we will get a glimpse of our keys glistening a bit in a little 
light that is reflecting on them from the streetlight over there. You know, the pandemic was a sudden awareness that we lost our keys. Yes, awareness. It wasn't a discovery as such, but a shocking awareness of something that was true all along. Our keys always had the tendency to be lost. The one certainty of life is that it is uncertain. And that is true. And we know it. Somewhere. Buried deep because we don't really like remembering it. And once we had the shock of awareness that the life we knew wasn't as certain as we pretended it to be during the pandemic, we all reacted a little differently. Everybody had a different way of, say, coping. Although most of us kept trying to move under the streetlight rather than stand in the dark while our eyes refocused, including me. Like the smoke from wildfires, the pandemic was another example of conditioned existence and the suffering it can cause. According to many experts in the field, climate change also contributes to an increase in the transmission of viruses. With expanding human population and our desire for more and better, both animals and humans are moving to previously uninhabited areas that can cause the introduction of new diseases to previously protected populations. Now, the pandemic and the smoke from wildfires have brought us all face to face with the reality of conditioned existence. It's pretty hard not to notice. And it's been hard to adjust. We all witnessed it during the peak of the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. And still today I see it. It is a prevailing attitude of victimhood. We feel like victims of things we perceive to be threatening us, making us fearful, making us angry, or making us suspicious. We blame lockdowns, vaccination conspiracies, physical distancing, masking, business closing orders, and those that issue those orders as the problem. Because it's hard to blame what you can't see for your suffering or inconvenience. If you can't blame the virus, which you, you can't see, then someone or something else must be to blame. There has to be some cause behind this virus. There has to be a bigger agenda since the virus doesn't have an agenda. There has to be something so that it all makes sense for us. If you do honest reflection and meditation and all the emotions you saw and still see swirling about the pandemic and climate change, the grief, the sadness, the fear, the anger, you may get a glimpse of how you feel like a victim too if you haven't come to terms with that response in yourself already. Why can't things be back to normal? Why can't I pop out the door without taking a mask? Why do we have to think about air quality index and wildfires hundreds of miles away from us? Why do I have to buy an air filter? Why, 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 why? Are we victims? We didn't bring it on ourselves, so we must be victimized, right? When we find ourselves in the midst of a life that doesn't make any sense all of a sudden, that has taken away our feeling of control or agency, we search for patterns to trace back to how, why, what, 
and grasp on how it will all end. We search for a distinct cause, but all we have are different conditions. As the Buddha said, we'll repeat this. When this is present, that comes to be. From the rising of this, that arises. When this is absent, that does not come to be. On the sensation of this, that ceases. So what is happening is that we're collectively facing the truth of life, a truth that others less fortunate than most of us have had to face already. We have been smacked in our collective and previously comfortable phases with the need, the demand, that we find a way to accept, despite our clinging otherwise, except that we have little control over the things that happen to us. The only thing we can control is our response to the things that happen to us. We are so used to being in control. Progress and technology brought most of us comfort and convenience. So when nature interferes with our comfort through storms, viruses, wildfires, instead of understanding the very naturalness of nature, we look for someone or something to blame. Being a victim seems to be our go-to when nature or when life does what it does. Our lives, many times, are completely outside of our control and outside of our ability to predict what comes next. Now, we all know that we're going to die. We know that we are of the nature to be sick and to die. We don't know when. We don't know how. But yet, we hold on to an illusion, an illusion that it's sort of far off or it doesn't really exist for me, yet it could be today or tomorrow. We make detailed plans for the day, the week, the year, the decade, as if the planning ensures everything will happen as planned. And we all know that's not true. These are illusions, aren't they? If anything the pandemic and climate change has taught us is that our plans, our health, our very lives can be shattered by a virus or a wildfire hundreds of miles away. We are not in control. But are we victims? If we are, we are victims of only one thing. We are victims of life. We are victims of living. We are victims of the very nature that gave us life. And it's that life that we all share interdependently that we should honor in each other rather than looking for who is to blame for what we're suffering with now. The suffering too is part of that life as the Buddha taught. So what we can control about that suffering is how we need to respond. Chokum Trumpa said that, quote, chaos is very good news, unquote. Trumpa's reference to chaos is pointing to the meaning derived from the Greek meaning a void or a formless state of matter before the cosmos was created. Trumpa's son further explained the use of the word chaos as indicating, quote, the openness where things fall apart and new creations arise. The space created by chaos provides an opportunity to reconnect 
with what lies under the chaos and negativity, which is inherent awakened nature. When things seem very bad, then there is an opportunity for something good to take place, unquote. I've seen many examples of very good things taking place during things that are otherwise labeled as very bad, like the pandemic. And I continue to see opportunities where even more good may be born from this experience. That is, if we reconnect to our inherent goodness, that is also the inherent goodness in everyone else. If we continue to allow ourselves to be motivated by passion, aggression, and ignorance, we won't see these possibilities in ourselves or others. It's the feeling like victims that closes us down, shuts us off from ourselves, from each other. Feeling like victims is not a noble response to suffering. The noble response to suffering is exactly what the Buddha taught. When things feel out of control, when everything seems in chaos, as Trumpa said, maybe we should see this as good news. See this as an opportunity to create ourselves anew, not as victims, but as compassionate helpers in birthing a new world of possibility. If we look for these positive patterns and meanings in ourselves and others during this pandemic, this climate change, we can overcome the habit of victimhood, which is finding negative meanings in the face of suffering. This is our opportunity for deep retreat. Maybe, since it's now the start of summer, maybe this summer is time for some meditation or a retreat that will help create a noble, compassionate response and a soft, safe resting place in our own hearts, where fear, anger, and hopelessness and victimhood used to reside. In whatever way this has meaning for you, from despair and grief over climate change or still smoldering anger and confusion from the divisiveness of our uncertain times, maybe it's time to reflect on how we can change our own perspectives from what has grown to be habits of despair, grief, fear, and anger, to more noble and compassionate responses to everyone and every being we share our world and our conditioned existences with. May it be so. That's it for this episode. As usual, next up, some announcements. As always, a reminder that you can join me and others in the private donation-supported Everyday Sangha that meets virtually via Zoom every other week on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The Sangha is currently studying the book Heart of the Shin Buddhist Path, A Life of Awakening by Takamoro Shigaraki. Our meetings consist of of a service first, including a short meditation period, traditional vow recitations, and other invocations like refuge, bodhisattva vows, etc., and some chanting. The service introduces more ritual and liturgy into the structure of our meeting, much like you would find at a non-virtual Buddhist temple, church, or sangha. 
The service also includes a Dharma talk by one of the practice leaders or myself, Wendy Shinyo-sensei, and many times a Dharma glimpse by a volunteer Sangha member. After the service, we open it up to discussion, the current book study or anything that was inspired by one of the Dharma talks or anything that people have coming to terms with in their life and how the Dharma might be able to help. Consider joining the Sangha to be a part of the study, practice, and a warm and welcoming community. You can learn more about the Sangha by viewing the latest bonus YouTube podcast where me, Bradley Janayo-sensei, and Terry Hoskin, who are our two other practice leaders, talk about what the Sangha and what everyday Buddhism is all about. You can also support this podcast and other activities of Everyday Buddhism by becoming a community member for $5 a month. If you do, you'll have access to all members-only podcasts, an education series, and a private group on a non-Facebook platform, plus the free entry into our Introduction to Buddhism course that is offered twice a year. If you don't follow me or Everyday Buddhism on any social media platforms we post in, you can go to the Everyday Buddhism website and join the membership community or the Everyday Sangha. Just go to www.everyday-buddhism.com and click on either the tab that says Join Members Community or Join Everyday Sangha. I thank all of you who contribute in this way or on occasion. This podcast and the community in Sangha depend on your donations to continue to exist. I don't seek podcast sponsors. I don't ask for financial commitments through paid podcast memberships. So my work and the cost of all the infrastructure and things that I need to support what I do is entirely self-funded except for your donations. Please consider a one-time or continuing donation by going to Patreon or on my website's donate tab. You can even buy me a, a cup of coffee through the coffee cup link on the website. You, find the, you can find the links to all of this in the show notes. And thanks to, to all of you who write in with comments and questions. As I've said before, I do, and I promise this is true, I read them all and I thank you for writing. And as a matter of fact, I hope to release a podcast episode soon where I and a guest or two respond to a listener's question about religion. Another way you can help, and this is easy, just rate or review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It's important to share the podcast with others if you find it helpful in your life. And if you could, instead of just rating, take a minute to comment so people will know why you love Everyday Buddhism. That's all for the announcements. So until next time, keep finding ways to make yours and everyone's days better. (laughs) 